0: You're listening to the BrideChilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time
1: with your host, Alicia McCormack. Oh, it's episode 253. Why am I speaking in some sort of weird accent? It's Alicia here. <sighs> Sometimes I exhaust myself if you're sitting there going, why? Why with all the voices? Well, I spend a lot of time alone when I'm in the booth and it entertains me. I am Alicia. I am the host and founder of Bride Chiller, and this is episode 253 of the Bride Chiller podcast, a podcast that was created by me four years ago. I started this show, and uh, it has evolved a lot since, but also it's great going back through the back catalogue and seeing the episodes that I think really were the foundations of the BrideChiller ethos, where I learned and expanded and broadened my horizons and hopefully made an impact on your planning, the decision-making process, and also just how you feel about this day. As I always say, when I'm describing the podcast to people that have not an idea about what I'm doing, I say it's a wedding planning podcast, but it's not just about the aesthetics of wedding planning. I really talk about all of the extra bits and how you can come out the other end of planning after the wedding, feeling really good about yourself and your decisions and your relationship and also the choices that you made throughout that process. And this episode is If you haven't heard it before, and even if you have, I think there is so much to gain from it. And listening back to it, I really resonated with everything that you're going to hear. I don't want to do a big intro. I want to just get into the episode. But I will say just two quick things. I think what we talk about in this episode, talking about ethical wedding planning, and that doesn't just necessarily mean being environmentally friendly. It means making choices of where you spend your money and what it, the outcome, what it affects. So maybe you want to spend your money locally and support local businesses. Maybe it's about buying a wedding dress that isn't made in a sweatshop, because some of them are. I don't want to be a shit show. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. But some are, and that's not great. Also, just looking at how you can spread the word, how you can share this with your guests without being too pushy, but also saying, hey, this really means something to us. Let's make a difference. Let's make a change. I contacted Danielle Calhoun, my guest in this episode, and sort of said, Danielle, what are you doing? What's going on lately? Where are you up to? And she wanted me to send the message. She's a photographer, as you will learn in this, and running Black Sheep Bride, her website, um, was a really full-on gig. I totally relate to that. Running Bride Chiller with just Rich and I really running the business is hard going. And Danielle's got a couple of beautiful kids and she recently sold the website, but is still very much a believer uh, in what she started the foundations of the business. So I just wanted to add a special caveat, a note that Black Sheep Bride is still around. It's still doing exactly what Danielle started. And I love that she was able to find a buyer for the website and the business that could carry on the ethos. And I think everything that she says is still very relevant and fucking fabulous. All right, here's me introducing Danielle from the past, but now it's the future, the end. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be speaking to today's guest, And you might be saying, Alicia, you say that every week. And I'm like, yeah, because I get the best people on. All right. <laughs> I like to feature people that a love what they do, that are passionate about what they do, but also that are, well, I'm going to say change makers, that are people who uh, start movements. I think what I'm doing hopefully is a bit of a movement with the bride chiller thing, trying to say, relax, chill out, don't. Get in touch with the bullshit. And today's guest, oh, she is the queen of this. I am talking about the wonderful Danielle Calhoun, who is the founder, I don't know, what are we going to say? The legend behind (laughs) blacksheepbride.com. Is that too much? No. (laughs) I love it. Welcome, Danielle. Thank you so much for giving me the time because you're busy changing the world. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. It's so exciting to be a part of your awesome podcast. I love what you guys do so much. Oh, it's my pleasure and I think we share, as I said, we are change makers. We are people that see uh, the difference that we can make within this wedding industry and especially for brides and grooms that are coming into this the first time or the second or third, no judgment. Right. But you're in a situation where you've launched this wonderful blog and you're not just selling stuff, you're
0: selling an idea. What is it? Yeah. um, The concept behind Black Sheep Bride is that we connect couples with uh, vendors and products, inspiration and resources that value giving back so that their wedding Mm. can be uh, more charitable and conscious and that we can use um, this huge sum of money we get in our lives once or twice in some cases um, or more for helping other people. It's
1: such a great concept and it's so simple that I while i was internet stalking you i thought why the hell has someone not done this before but then also it takes someone pretty special to do that and i think you know when you have that amazing idea and you crack on with it um well you are the right person to do it clearly so can you give me a little bit of background i know you're a photographer how, how did this all come about? And well, look, so many questions. Let's start with that one. Pro interviewer. She's gonna sure. ask you fifty questions at
0: once. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it came about because I am a wedding photographer, like you mentioned. I started I started out early in my um young adulthood in fine art photography in college and would do a lot of humanitarian work. Um outside of the United States, as well as domestically. And, um, I found a huge passion for helping other people at a really young age. And it kind of set the path for um, my adulthood. And so I started a wedding photography business a few years later, and then got back into humanitarian photography on a more, um, consistent basis. And I was kind of being really conflicted with the industry that was supporting my family and Mm -hmm. the, Third world that I lived in regularly that had such huge need. Um, it was very polarizing, and um, I saw a great opportunity for these brides to or couples to be able to use their their funds and their decision making to um, invest in people that invest in others.
1: Mm. Uh, it really made me. Uh, Oh, I I talk a lot in my book and I've said it, you know, countless times on the podcast. There's a really funny gear change that we make. Many of us make when you're looking at a wedding and the cost of a wedding, like you've just said, is crazy for a lot of people. And, you know, I'm talking whether you're spending a thousand bucks or a hundred thousand dollars. It's obviously depending on how much money you have as to how much money you're willing to spend and what you find valuable uh, in your life. But for me, I always get stuck when people say, I spent $5,000 on my wedding dress. Cool if you've got five grand, but also in not, I mean, that's crazy. But again, you can do whatever you like. But in real life, I'm using air quotes that no one can see. (laughs) Most of us would balk at the idea of spending five G's on a dress. We're not the Kardashians. But it seems a normal sort of thing to do when you're planning a wedding. I I sort of struggle with this regularly of going, why have we allowed this sort of to happen and why is this a normal thing? So when you sort of talk about the extremes of going into third world countries and photographing people in genuine need and then people on their wedding day, which, you know, is the ultimate extreme, I can absolutely see how this became a a passion project for you.
0: Yeah, definitely something that... um if it wasn't a passion project, I don't know if I'd be fighting the good fight to make this happen. (laughs) It definitely drives me on a level that I've never been driven before, because I really believe that there is a great opportunity for the wedding industry. And something that I tell people when I meet them too, um, I think a lot of times when I tell people, oh, I uh, focus on couples that give back, they often think that that means that Couples can't spend money on their weddings. And that's not what I'm trying to convey at all. Um, Like you said, it doesn't matter the amount of money spent. It's all in how it's spent. Um, So if they're spending five grand on a wedding dress, that's awesome. Is it fair trade? Is the bridal shop they bought it from, are they donating dresses to, you know, wish upon a wedding or things like that, that um, can make that value not only be one worthy of the design itself but the intrinsic value you know how are my dollars being used um outside of my purchase
1: and I think we must just say we're not saying everyone has to get married at picnic tables in a fucking national park wearing a a hemp dress while even uh, though I do talk
0: about all of those things (laughs)
1: See, more power to you if you want to do that. And I love an intimate wedding. You know I'm a big fan of saying hack the fuck out of the guest list. If you don't want to have 200 people at your wedding, have 12. But yeah. the idea is, and I love when you look at Black Sheep Bride, that you can see so many of your real brides and grooms and grooms and grooms and brides and brides yeah. have had amazing weddings that you would never know which, again, pros and cons, but you would never know that they've given back so much because really? they look aesthetically like so many other weddings you see. But then you read all the details and go, Jesus, we should all be doing this. It looks quite easy and, normal. again, <laughs> normal. Again, we use the air quotes. But it's yeah. like, why would you not do this? This is crazy. All right. Right one of my best best that I can't say that one of my best rating best most successful episodes was about ethical and environmentally friendly weddings so I feel like this is a natural extension for the conversation yeah
0: I love what that did, episode
1: yeah oh well, thank you and that's I, I was really found you
0: find you uh, well
1: I well that makes me happy and I feel like that's something that I am really passionate about as well so it's just nice that we can um get into it giving people some kicking off advice if they've never thought about doing this before maybe we could just start by trying to just come up with a couple of really quick easy ideas doesn't have to be quick no pressure but uh (laughs) that they could start by implementing in their wedding planning today sure what's how would you kick it off
0: The easiest thing that I tell people that they could do, and I know you kind of talked on this in the original episode, but a lot of times brides get uh, intimidated if they haven't already thought about using their wedding to help other people. So the biggest thing that I can say is just waste less.
1: Um, Mm.
0: Weddings are very wasteful between leftover flowers, leftover food, leftover decorations, Um, a lot of times brides become a bit over or couples become overwhelmed in the thought that what am I going to do with all this leftover stuff and half the time it ends up in the trash. So there are plenty of opportunities for brides to use what they already plan to have to help others. So their flowers are a big one, even if they're not, um, salvageable in some cases, they can be composted or, Mm -hmm. Um, they, if they are salvageable, they could be donated to the hospital down the street that might need just a little pick me up, or organizations. Um, there's a few out there, Repeat Flowers. Um, let's see, Random Acts of Flowers, Floranthropy. You know, there's a there's a oh, myriad of opportunities. Um, And I love
1: that. Think about how much like a Nana or someone that's sick, that doesn't have family and friends to bring them flowers. I think that is the easiest way that you can make a difference in someone's life that wouldn't even know that you existed to be able to donate flowers and have that little bit of floral joy is just delightful and so simple.
0: Yes. My, um, not related to a wedding, but an event happened recently and the uh, venue owner called me and she said, Hey, I have like buckets of flowers from this event that we had. Do you think that you would have a way to get them somewhere? And I said, Oh, I'll figure it out. So mm-hmm. I went and grabbed the bucket of flowers. I think I had like my whole entire baby hatchback was full of roses. Mm-hmm. And, um, I said, well, what are we going to do with these? And I had my four-year-old with me and the local nonprofits that take the flowers they were closed that day so i went to a nursing home that was close to my house and those <laughs> ladies literally grabbed my son for one. And then they took me by the arm and they're like, let us show you where the rec room is because they wanted first dibs on. the Oh my God. I like get the good flowers, (laughs) but they just fell so in love with the concept that someone was just bringing them flowers just to have. And it was such a, um, a sweet, you know, realization for me that it doesn't have to be anything formalized, um you know there's just opportunity everywhere you look if you just have the eyes for it the other so thing that's a great, is that's a great point Danielle sorry to interrupt no, you but cool. that that might be
1: something that you could if there aren't if there isn't an organization that you mentioned close by or if you're in another country where they're not doing it just pick an old people's home or pick a hospital that you can turn up to with the flowers I'm sure that they would be able to take them off your hands
0: absolutely and the other option is your food. You know, there's a lot of food that gets wasted after weddings. Um, and there are, especially in the UK, I found a lot of zero um, waste food banks yeah. that will collect waste food or leftover food and reuse it, salvage it, compost it the same way. Um, and that can make a big difference in someone's day-to-day you know, struggle. Um, to think that, you know, you have an extra few filet mignon sitting around or, you know, Parmesan chicken, whatever it is, um, mm. they get thrown in the trash. That's a good meal, you know? Make a big it's amazing. Yeah. And also, yeah, if Cousin Harry doesn't turn up and the food
1: goes to waste, then at least you go, fuck you, Cousin Harry, for not turning up. But also, I'm giving your
0: food to someone who actually needs it. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to think of a tasteful way to create some sort of, like, place card that says, I can't come, but donate my seat to X, Y, Z, because that's a great idea. Each person's place in a wedding, you know, is a hundred bucks a pop per person that comes. So what if that person says, instead of me like wasting a plane ticket to come to this person's wedding that I don't really know very well, let's donate that money to somewhere else and just make that a premature, like first thing you see on the invitation. This is how we're setting up our wedding. Do you want to come? Do you not want to come? If you don't want to come, that's cool. We'll donate your seat to someone else.
1: Oh, my God, Danielle. That feels like such a natural thing to do that if – and also, I think gifting. I know we're going to get to gifts and stuff, but the idea that you are saying to someone, hey – Don't bother. You know, if you're going to catch a plane and it's going to cost you a thousand bucks, which often we do ask people to make these sort of enormous uh, investments in our weddings, and sometimes you can lose track of how much it might cost your guests. But that's such a lovely gesture to say, if you can't make it, we're totally cool. But throw a hundred bucks to this charity, or this would they would greatly appreciate it. That's a pretty nice way, and you're not out of pocket, and your goodwill bank. Wow, you get. Or the other thing,
0: you know, a lot of times people, like I said, they kind of grow a little fearful of having to donate money. Like, oh, well, that could be a cost-saving opportunity. Maybe they don't say, we'll donate $100 to this cause. Maybe they'll say, we donate two hours of our community service as a new couple in your honor,
1: in your absence, that you're
0: not at our wedding.
1: What else? uh, You said that's sort of the idea of waste. And I think this is such a great concept to think about how often we chuck stuff out. I think we do it in our everyday lives. I look at my recycling bin and also go, is that stuff going to get recycled? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Uh But also it it is, we we do have to think about our footprint without getting obsessed with it, but it's, you know, we do waste a lot. So That's a great point. Love it. Easy to do. So easy to do.
0: What what else can we do? Sure. Um, the other thing, which is probably the most common you see, is, like you mentioned, gifting uh, registries um, that are charitable in nature. Most couples nowadays are already in a position where they're domestically living together. Um, so they don't really have a need for a waffle iron or a coffee pot. Um, and especially in the millennial generation, they don't like a lot of crap. So no. If they created a gift registry, for instance, that was devoted to charity, um, mm. like for instance, one of our vendors, her name is, um, Kate and she owns heartfully And she does this gift registry where people can go make a profile and all of their guests give back to you. Whatever project um, is listed on the board that aligns with their passion. Um, There's also another registry that's kind of cool called so kind registry. And instead of it being necessarily um, donation monetary based, it could be anything really. So maybe it's a, I need a registry for someone to come donate a few hours to helping me clean my house, things like that. Um, Just less um, monetary-based and a little bit more uh, creative, I guess you could say, in ways that you could give.
1: I'm always encouraging people to look at their family and friends as people with skills and the idea that you can, and I know you talk a lot about this as well, that you can find people to help you with your planning that you don't necessarily have to pay outside of the the group or you pay with love and kindness and cakes and wine or with cash. But the idea that you can find friends to help you do certain tasks and not have to necessarily uh, hire people, again, is, is a really easy way to do things. And a lot of people don't go, oh, my friend Lorraine does do hair. Maybe Lorraine would like to do the hair on the day or Someone has a great garden that we can get flowers from. Do you, is this realistic or am I bullshitting that saying that people should be doing this?
0: I think it goes both ways. I think that there's a bride for both type of components. Um, I found that some of our more hippy-dippy organic wedding features that we share are a little bit more hands-on. Uh, DIY, because they want to be able to maximize their funding. Whereas other brides that are more intentional, a little bit more traditional in their ways, um, they are investing in those planners that are investing in others. So we have some awesome designers and planners on our directory that, um, their whole focus is about using their wedding business to also do charity events. So for every wedding, they do a charity event in lieu of that wedding. Um, so, There's balance in both, I've found. Mm. And it
1: is great that you have so many, all your vendors are people that are giving back, and that's pretty great to be able to just go to one spot, one spot on the interwebs and find all the good people.
0: (laughs) I like it. That's my new tagline. Well,
1: we'll we'll put it on a T-shirt. I'm good at doing that. Uh, (laughs) This is the Save the Date Wedding Podcast. You are listening to it. Of course you are. I'm Alicia, the host. Welcome. If you haven't heard us before, us is in me. I'm just a single person, but I like to pretend I have a posse. Uh, We are talking. Wait, see, I did it again. Uh, (laughs) I'm talking to Danielle Calhoun. She is the founder of blacksheepbride.com and there is more with her after this. Danielle, I have to just, you were talking about clutter and the millennials probably not wanting to collect shit because we don't have much room, because we all live in tiny apartments, because everything is expensive. Right. Right. when I was in Australia recently, I was visiting my sister-in-law who has just moved from London back to Australia and they've moved into like a house which is a huge deal because in London everyone lives in shoeboxes unless you're really wealthy and uh, we are not. But she had said she came come to me with this tiny little book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up uh, by Marie Kondo and it's this very cute little book and it's all about Decluttering Your Life.
0: Interesting.
1: <laughs> and I started reading this book and it freaked me out a little bit. Now we don't have, Rich and I, as I said, we live in a small apartment. We don't have a lot of stuff and we moved to London with two suitcases. So I had a bit of a meltdown before we left Melbourne because we got rid of everything in our apartment except for these two suitcases, which was completely freeing. Can I just say it was right? freaky and then freeing. But reading this book, it made me realize about how much stuff we collect and place, uh, well, meaning from, for on and really don't need to have it. Now, this is a really obvious statement, but I do think it leads back to our conversation about what we need to keep, what we need to buy, what we feel is a uh, value when it comes to planning a wedding. Maybe we all just need to declutter a little bit and also rent stuff. You're nice. a big advocate of just borrowing shit.
0: yes. Definitely. Um, coming from a family, um, that's so funny you say that because even though I don't live in London, sadly enough, um, I was raised fairly low income. Um, and my home that I was raised in was full of crap. Like my parents are borderline hoarders. I love them to death. They're amazing people. And if they listen to this, they'll probably punch me in the face for saying this. (laughs) But um, they kind of created this anti hoarder in me. Um, mm-hmm. My husband and I have two children, and we live in an 800 square foot home that we've lived in for the 10 years we've been married. And I am so anti sentimental. Um, so I'm probably not a good reference to like say, oh, you need those napkins with your names on them. I do not believe that. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a waste of money. <laughs> I will blatantly say that up front. Um, and I'm going to back you up. I agree. (laughs) Thanks. Um, and I think that renting and borrowing is a huge, huge opportunity that I think a lot of times people miss. And I think a lot of times the DIY brides miss the boat on that too, because they're too busy trying to DIY stuff that they forget that they could just rent that junk and be done with Mm. it and Um, save
1: some time and save some bloody breakdowns.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, um, Thrifting is a huge component of that that I think would be beneficial as long as the thrifting isn't becoming, well, let's now put these spaces in our back closet that we never use again.
1: Yes, here is that using, Japanese lady be going, you're insane. Get rid of it. Exactly.
0: Um, so utilizing the things that maybe you are purchasing to give back to a halfway house or a domestic violence shelter that needs like, decorations for new moms to de- to de- decorate their new apartments and um, start a new life, you know, things along those lines, it's fine. Um, but I am a huge advocate for renting because I think that you're not creating new things or you're not helping that. And you are um, giving them back and you're not, you know, filling the world with more junk,
1: even and though junk you're one person, you... it matters. Exactly. And I think junk that you realistically I I always talk about this as a silly thing that I repeat over and over again but it's that we um purchased some tablecloths for our wedding and it was from a catering company and they were the sort of tablecloths that are magic that you could spill wine on and then just use water and it just came off it must have been made out of like what the black boxes are made out of in planes it was crazy
0: (laughs) (laughs) pandora socks or something yeah Very, very magical
1: it's so magical and it's like, oh, my God, why don't we just coat our whole house in this shit because I spill everywhere. Right. But I came home two days after the wedding like a little machine and put it all in the washing machine and iron them and then put them on eBay and made a profit on them. But someone else got them. And it's such a simple thing and people are like, oh, I can't be bothered. Why would you bother doing that? I'm like, well, for a starters, I would never use 10 big white industrial caterers uh, tablecloths ever again. And also what the hell would I, you know, what would I store them in my cupboard for? That's ridiculous. Someone else can have it We come out neutral in our costs and we feel good about ourselves.
0: Absolutely. And there's a few resources too um, that, that, that do that specifically for weddings. One specifically that I'm good friends with is called Wedding Recycle. Um, it's a website devoted to... Recycling wedding crap. Awesome. <laughs> and brides get to. What's the, what's,
1: what's the web address for that one, Danielle?
0: It is wedding-recycle.com, I believe. Awesome.
1: I will follow them on the various social medias and share today so we uh, can get that out. That sounds amazing
0: and one of our publication partnerships that we connect with every year um we just started this year i'm sorry is called uh the recycled wedding boutique and they have an event that they do in ohio and um a few other places i think they're trying to expand this year um devoted to letting brides come and sell their things right or couples um so there's there's plenty of plenty of opportunity there <laughs> And I think it's just a matter of actually
1: shifting your mind into that sort of zone of going, I will buy secondhand or I will be selling this later on. I think people get so attached, brides get so attached to those damn dresses. And yeah, they're a really big thing. But also, well, how often are you ever going to wear it? Your daughter... 99.9% will not wear that dress. I'm just going to be harsh and say that. Uh, And then also it's sitting in a cupboard when you could easily sell it soon after the wedding, especially if you have a name brand dress. I feel really sure that people can shift things quickly. But if you're selling it five years down the track, probably less likely.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's plenty of organizations that will gladly take it off of your hands either way. Um, Yeah. Some are for like special needs proms for, you know, bridesmaids dresses. Some are for military brides, things like that. There's lots of options to be able to utilize the, the dress for helping other people. There's also um, something I just learned about recently, um, a, like newborn death shrouds. That sounds bad. Burial shrouds yeah. um, out of wedding dresses. So there's, there's potential there. I think that's pretty nice to know that
1: something that you have uh, worn, whether it is going to a charity, as you said, someone that's in an underprivileged sort of situation where they wouldn't be able to afford to wear something as beautiful and also bridesmaids' dresses are something, you know, a lot of bridesmaids are never going to wear their stuff again. I'm such a big fan of Rent the Runway for bridesmaids' dresses and wedding dresses as well because, I mean, I am sitting, I, I looked up earlier on, they're a crazy crazy great brands on Rent the Runway now, where I think a lot of people would struggle to afford some of the brands that you can borrow for like
0: 200 bucks. It's crazy. For sure. And there are so many wonderful rental companies that are expanding out of the Rent the Runway movement. I think um, some are very wedding specific, like Vow to be Chic. a new one for me. Specifically devoted to bridesmaids. And there's a few others. Um, I don't have the names off the top of my head. Um, just Google people use the Google, there you (laughs) go. Use the Google. Um, (laughs) I like it. So there, there is, um, options there or just being different and getting a dress that, you know, that you will wear again, you know, Moda Traders is a fair trade dress company that has some killer dresses that, um, some people are using as bridesmaid dresses and they're mixing things up like floral patterns that are all different or, you know, make your Mm -hmm. own rules. Make it count. Amen. And and also,
1: you don't have to wear again a white cut off strapless dress. You just don't need to do that. If that's not your style, ditch it. Go and find something that works for you. I mean, it's so your day. And the idea that everyone is wearing the same thing over and over again—we've all been conditioned. And I think sort of. Hoodwinked into making this choice to look a certain way when those dresses really don't suit a lot of us. And I come from—I don't have massive boobs; they're not huge. I'm going to be honest with you. I I'm touching them right now. In
0: this, <laughs> I share in this dilemma. I,
1: it's, I mean, look, realistically, the, I
0: can't look, but if
1: well, I can, no, no, look. <laughs> Imagine them; they're just a handful, but they're not the sort of thing that you go. When I tried on those strapless dresses on, I was horrified at the fact that, not horrified, but I just, they weren't going to stand up for me. Even when I would be sewn into it, I was not comfortable. It was not my style. And I just wanted to feel really good and feel comfortable and feel sexy and chic. And I just thought that dress is not for me. Not right. for me.
0: It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> I love it.
1: you got to own your bussies. Whatever right. size they are, enjoy it. But know what works for you and know what's comfortable. and. I just just knew that that sort of dress wasn't a style that worked for me, but I loved a sleeve. I wanted a sleeve.
0: Yes. Sleeves are classy.
1: Sleeves are so classy and so are pockets. If you can get a dress yes. with a pocket, gee whiz, You're in. good luck.
0: Amazing.
1: Ten points.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, I think to add to the list of things on a more um, intentional perspective, hmm. There's two components that we talk about first thing within our description of what black sheep right is, and that is vendor choices and products. So separate from like the normal stuff, you know, donating leftovers, whatever you already have. If we were giving more effort to selecting vendors that were charitable, um, selecting products that were fair trade, that were used for socially conscious initiatives, Um, that in and of itself would be a huge impact to a people group, a culture, you know, a collective, a collaborate, um, a co-op, you know, things along those lines that would really make a big difference. And I think a lot of times people, like I mentioned before, they kind of get overwhelmed with, Oh, I need a photographer. And then they go online and they find 2 trillion photographers and they don't even Mm -hmm. know where to begin. Um, but Are they asking these photographers those questions like, do you use your business to help other people? Do you donate your time to a local charity? We like to know about your passion and how you use your business to impact others. Um, Or can I find high heels that maybe don't get manufactured in sweatshops or, you know, things like that, that really could help make a bigger difference. And not only, you know, humanity and people, but in our environment, you know, those things add up as the news just recently talked about the plastic and the ocean and the chemicals and things, you know, it's crazy what fast fashion has done to our world. And a lot of it has been because of, overconsumption and just not asking questions.
1: Yes, and that's the downfall of our, our human race, I really think, and that's not even exaggerating, is that we've become sort of unquestioning. And I was talking to my dad when I was back in Australia about political movements and about the 60s and why it was so vibrant and why everyone was getting involved when people had a voice and they really thought they could make a difference. And I feel like we've sort of dropped off and, yeah, we're all on our Twitters and we're retweeting shit and we're Facebooking and driving our friends insane and, like, just fucking shut up with your reposting stuff. But it's sort of different. Like, it's not the same. The impact that I think we can have physically doing things
0: is actually a lot more powerful than just sharing stuff.
1: Yeah. Mind sharing. uh, Exactly I mean no one gives a shit about a retweet really when it comes to the idea that you can make one small change in something that you might not have thought to do before and it could actually make a really big impact and I think that's so powerful and we underestimate how much that means to other people but also makes you feel pretty good yourself I don't want to forget I want to remind people it feels good when you do
0: this stuff. (laughs) Agreed. And it's, um, so much easier than I think people think it is. Yeah. We are in the day and age right now where societally speaking, the generation that we're living in the biggest consumer group that's making the most impact, like there's social enterprises popping up left and right everywhere. It is, it is a known fact that if you run a business, there's, there should be some sort of corporate responsibility, sustainability aspects to what you're doing. It just goes without saying, even though small business owners, yes, I understand it. I am a small business owner, but everyone has the potential to give back in some capacity. And I always tell people that it doesn't have to be money. People always assume giving back connects with money. It Mm. can be your time because everyone in the wedding industry in some capacity has a skill set. How are they using that skill set to potentially empower someone else? Mm. These are
1: great questions to ask, and it's not uh, something that needs to be confronting. It doesn't have to be aggressive or negative. I think it's such a positive, wonderful thing. And yeah. I, I think you're f- fucking fabulous. There you go, Danny. I think you're amazing. You. I think you are
0: too. You're <laughs> oh awesome. my
1: God share the love seriously e- now even
0: with your tiny tatas
1: <laughs> my tiny tatas I'm touching them again stop it um <laughs> it's what you're doing are on you see podcasting you can do whatever you want no one can see you that's but right I always say it out loud and give away my secrets <laughs> now will you join me please on Thursday's episode of the Q&A uh Thursday sure I'd love to have you back because I think we need to hear more from you
0: I would love that. I think it would be great.
1: Now, if people want to get in touch, of course they will. And if vendors, especially, I know I have lots of vendors listening to the show, if they feel the need, which they should, to get uh, to be a part of your huge endeavours, what do we need to do? How do we get in touch with you?
0: Uh, the first thing that you can do is go to our website. It's www.blacksheepbride.com.
1: Really, again, it's really easy. Make little changes to make big changes. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh No, thank you so much. And if you are uh, planning a wedding that is going to be making a change in any way, I really want to hear about it. Could you please email me, message me, leave me a voicemail? Because I would like to highlight your awesomeness. And I know Danielle would like to hear from you. Pat on the back. Go team. Make a difference. It's future Alicia here. Well, current Alicia not future Alicia. Gosh, got to get over that. It is so exciting to be entering a new year if you are listening to this the week it came out. This is the final episode of 2018 and uh, it's exciting to see where Bride Chiller will be going in the next year and to learn about where you'll be taking your wedding planning and beyond. We're really hopeful that we'll be launching a new podcast and I've talked a lot over the years about other podcasts. Rich and I did do a limited podcast called Significant and other. If you're interested in listening to that, you can find it wherever you get your podcast. But I'm also very happy to be broadening our horizons and being able to expand the Bride Chiller universe. And we're still working on what this podcast is going to be about, but I am really keen to take the ethos of Bride Chiller or chillers as we refer to ourselves in the Bride Chiller community and take that into a new podcast that is more of a life in general podcast. I've been thinking a lot about what I want to include, who I want to include, how it's going to work. And over the Christmas holiday period, I'm going to have a lot more thinking time to, to really get that together. Thank you to everyone who has supported Bride Chiller. And by supported, I mean leave a review for one of our shows to someone that's purchased a book or a t-shirt or a tote or a mug or some pencils, or who's just sent me a lovely email. Support doesn't necessarily mean giving us cash, although we love money. Give us money. Don't say that. We love hearing from you. And it's just extraordinary that this show started with me sitting in our bedroom in our old apartment, literally with a microphone on an ironing board. And now I'm in my little booth. (laughs) <laughs> that we built in the house, in our flat, our rented flat, which our landlord doesn't know about this room. If he ever came in here and opened the door, it's just a cupboard that we've, we've soundproofed. But if he came in here, he'd probably think it's some sort of BDSM room. And I'm fine with that. You might think we're a sassy, sexy couple, which we are, obviously, but not just a voiceover booth. <laughs> I really hope you have enjoyed this year of Bride Chiller and it has changed your perspective in some way, or at least improved your wedding planning and life outside of wedding planning as well, because that's the aim of what I do. Thank you so much again. Until next week in the year 2019. Gosh, what's this year going to bring? Only knows. Thank you. I love you all. And of course, happy days.
0: Bry Chilla podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014.